Welcome. You are listening to the Mindful Minute, meditations created for everyday joy. I'm Meryl Arnett, mama, meditator, and head of mindfulness for Shoreline Meditation App. This podcast is recorded from my live Monday night meditation class, where we have a brief discussion followed by a 20-minute guided meditation. If these meditations support you and your practice, please consider donating to the show to support its continued growth, new offerings, and its ever-expanding team. You can find the link in today's show notes or simply visit merylarnett.com and click on podcast. All right, y'all, let's practice. Welcome, friends. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The Mindful Minute. Today, I am sharing a conversation with a guest that you might recognize from previous episodes, my dearest friend and former business partner, Octavia Rahim. Octavia has just released her second book into the world, and we are here to share this magic with you today. Pause, Rest, Be is a sacred guidebook to carry us through this particular moment in time especially. It's a book that invites us to summon courage in times of change. It is a book that shows us the transformative power of rest and gives us markers to feel for as we navigate turbulent times. Octavia is going to talk to us today about endings, about the easily invisible times in between, and the beginnings that we both long for and so often struggle with. I know you guys know that Octavia and I have taught alongside each other for a decade plus, I guess probably close to two decades at this point. We co-owned a studio together. We have co-taught countless classes and retreats. And I am always so delighted to get to share a conversation in a public forum. Talking with Octavia is, for me, a constant source of inspiration, of insight, of upliftment, and I'm so happy to share this with you today. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did, and with that, let's jump right in. Well, Octavia Rahim, welcome to the Mindful Minute. Thank you for coming back and talking to me again. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) So the last time we talked on this podcast, we were talking about Gather, your first book. And we're back because now we get to talk about your new book that you've just released into the world, Pause, Rest, Be. And I'm so curious where the name came from. You know, that is a good question. And my immediate thought is to take you through like (laughs) you and your listeners and the listeners through how, you know, publishing works and titles come into being, Mm. you know, or just, so, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of both. So my working title, as I was writing this book was Be Still. Be still and know, which is Psalms 46.10 in the NIV. And then I finished the book and the working title in my mind is still Be Still and Know. And I have this really wonderful editor, Beth Frankel, who she asked me a question. She goes, and know what? 
you know, and know what, like, what is it that you will know? And, and then we had this beautiful dialogue about how, what, and what a title does for a book and what it is and how you want within the title to capture the purest essence of what the entire book is. Right. And so there's such an art and skill to coming to the title. And so we both agree that Be Still and Know is woven throughout the book, but it's not the name, right? It's kind of like you could have a name. You could be, you know, expecting a child and have a name picked out and then you see them and you go, that's not Jerry. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not your name once they fully arrive. And so once the book was fully arrived, I kind of realized, well, that's not the name. And we just start going through and this, A, I realized how often I'm using the language of pause in the book. And then I realized, you know, like there's this emergence of rest, you know, and then I'm like, in essence, <laughs> what I'm talking about is how do we be, how do we be? And then we knew that it needed a subtitle. And at first the subtitle was stillness practices for strength in times of change and strength actually started to feel like too, A, inaccurate and like heavy like a heavy word. And I, considering the times we're living in, you know, we're recording this in winter of 2022, I had this moment of insight where I'm like, what I want people to access through this book and through the stillness practices presented in this book is what I think we all need, which is courage, um, which is more heart, <laughs> you know, more, um, ability and capacity to be scared and brave and still somehow figure out how to meet each changing and uncertain day. So that's kind of, that's where it came from. Like we didn't start out with this title, <laughs> but the title, when I started, once the text was complete and I really go back into the text, right. And I'm like, what is this really about? I came to, it's about pausing, it's about resting and it's about being and how that supports the cultivation of courage when you're living through uncertainty and change. I love that explanation. Uh, you know, and as, as I was reading the book, I very clearly felt as honestly, as a strong call to action within the text to pause, to rest, to be. But what's really interesting uh, since you pointed it out as the subtitle, Stillness Practices for Courage in Times of Change. And, you know, listeners know that we are friends and have been friends for a long time. And one of the things that I am so grateful for in our friendship is the way you somehow will hold up a, like a mirror to a thing that either I could see and maybe not put words around or probably more likely I could see, but don't want to see. And I try really hard to shove away. And so this call to courage feels really profound and important as we're talking about this book. And in the beginning, you write now is a place of startling individual and collective endings. Mm -hmm. And then you go on to begin the book with endings, which to me is like breathtaking in a way because it's unexpected. And yet at the same time, the minute I saw the word ending, I was like, right, of course, that makes so mm -hmm. much sense. Why did you choose to start with endings? 
<laughs> so I started writing this book the summer of 2020, June 2020, amidst the ending of George Floyd's life, right? And and in that, amidst the ending of so many false ideas, right? Facades were just like crumbling all around. And and also feel like or felt like I was living through, you know, like our studio was ending, right? Um, the world as we knew it was literally ending. And so for me, it was actually cathartic and therapeutic to just go, you know what, this is actually where I'm at. And this is actually what I'm going to write about as I'm moving through it. Because you know this as a teacher, I'm usually like, well, wait until you're through it and you can extract the lesson and then you let let the teaching of it come through and somehow early into this historical moment we're living into I realized that it was going to be longer than that right and and that I, I I needed to share what I uh, felt and knew and experienced around endings before, like it was all the way, like, and now I know about endings, right? So it's really just me sharing from experience. And so I started with endings because I'm like, how many of us are experiencing very profound endings or even just subtle ones that really reshape the trajectory and direction? of your life or endings that completely change your mind and your perception of something. And so I wanted to start with where I felt like we collectively were and then take us through the journey, like what happens after endings, you know? So, I mean, that's part of it. And I'm so glad that like, again, I have this great team at Shambhala because no one said, no, we can't do that. Immediately they got it. They said, yeah, this book needs to start with endings, <laughs> you know? Like we we need to start with the end because this here here we are. I think that's amazing that nobody pushed back on that because to me, I feel like it's so easy to be like, but the beginning has so much promise. And we can look back and be like, oh yeah, something ended, but look how wonderful it is now. And instead you choose to say, well, this is actually where we are. And let's just be with this. And the endings have promise, which is very hard to see when you're literally in it. The endings, what they, what endings hold, I think is a kind of radical truth. And I think that facing that first prepares us, right, to then face what comes after endings, which is that place in between. And then what comes after that place in between, which is now we're at we're at the beginning. And the truth is, none of this is linear. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're kind of constantly in this spiral and this cycle. And then the other thing I was thinking about, even though I hadn't quite come to the word courage being in the title, I think endings require incredible courage, you know, an incredible sense of um you know, one of my early teachers of yoga, Gina Minier, used to say, I can be scared and brave at the same time, <laughs> right? These things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I realized that endings are really that place, also beginnings, you know, but where you're like, and also a lot of endings, do we have control over them? You know, 
like, you know, like, you know, so I, I thought it'd be interesting to start there. And also, I just wanted us to go ahead and face the end, you know, like face the end. Let's turn fully. Like I have this vision of just like, you know, you can kind of turn to something halfway or kind of look over your shoulder. Starting with endings is this invitation to turn your entire body <laughs> toward that, which is no longer you know, and, and kind of watch it as it, <laughs> as it leaves. So let's talk more about that because the other thing that you do within this book is you write about endings. You offer us a restorative yoga posture to go into as a experience of endings. The posture you offer is Shavasana or corpse pose. And so you're inviting us not only to acknowledge the ending, but then to be still in the ending rather than scramble, rather than plan, rather than make sense of, you say, can you just lie down and be here? Why? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Shavasana. Shavasana corpse pose, right? So first I do want to back up a little bit in honor that I don't actually think it's easy to be still. <laughs> it's also why I pair stillness and courage because I think it takes tremendous courage to be still. And with the most endings, what do you want to do? Like, okay, hurry up. I'm through it. I got through it. And it's like the vibration, the reverberation of it. No, you're not actually through it. You know, like we, we want to blow through the discomfort of these things. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is just restorative yoga, right? So I teach three restorative poses in this book. Restorative yoga is an incredible practice to help us rest and digest, you know, and digestion is um, more than obviously just the food you eat, but it's every experience you take in to your being, what you receive through your eyes, your ears. I'm like basically every opening, <laughs> you know, that you're being nourished or you're receiving something. And sometimes it's not nourishing, but it still comes in and it needs to be processed in some way. And processed is what can I extract from this experience that is useful, that can inform my being, that can support the bones of my existence. And then what do I need to to release and let go of? Um, it is It will be toxic to carry this forward in my body and in my being. And invite, and so stillness, you know this as a meditation teacher, stillness is a place of processing and it allows integration, right? Just, and so, but I want to say that by saying like in the, in the, in the book, when I teach the poses, I always invite people to first, if you are like, I'm not going to go lay down. Are you tripping? <laughs> you know, <laughs> to move, to dance, to go for a walk, to do something, to move the very activated energy that comes up when we're facing something challenging, go move that energy and then they'll come lay down come lay down, you know, and it's both. And I just happen to be sharing restful practices because we get movement. We get go do something with that, but we don't get go be with that. And so part of me inviting people to lay down and be with this ending and embody this ending is to then start to notice like, where is this experience in my body? Where am I holding the weight or the lightness of it in my body, right? Because sometimes it's light when there's the ending. If, you know, we shut the door on something that has been 
haunting us or weighing us down, we can actually feel lightness. And so it's really an invitation to say, okay, here I am, here I be, what is here with me? <laughs> like what, what is actually happening? And then also folks are tired <laughs> on just the simplest level. Who's, who among us is not fatigued, is not exhausted. And I want to be constantly reminding people that needing rest, wanting rest, needing to pause, wanting to pause and be still is not a sign of weakness. It's not that something's wrong with you because we kind of have this like notion that like I should be able to just keep going. I should be able to do more and more and more and more and more. And I'm like, well, there's sun and there's moon, there's night and there's day, you know, like we aren't just built to keep going and going and going. Lay your ass down. <laughs> like literally, like, like lay, lay down, you know, and, and then rest is fuel too. So that's part of it. So in short, it's just come here, lay down start to integrate your experience versus simply moving to the next thing. You know, I'll share for the meditation students listening that perhaps like me can create a lot of effort in meditation. So I spent a long time trying to, you know, quote unquote, do meditation right. And offering something like lying down in a pose where there is like, you literally can't do anything. There is nothing left <laughs> to do. They're not telling you to think or not think. Nobody's telling you to do any particular thing with your body other than just lie there and be still. It can be a very potent lesson in effortlessness or effort, uh, maybe the balance between effort and effortlessness is probably what I should say. In a way that as we practice meditation, sometimes we struggle with. And so doing something as simple as, as quote unquote, simple as lying down <laughs> can be a really nice lesson for us in where we might be creating effort around letting go. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yep. So we start at the end. We lie on our backs in Shavasana. And then we roll to our sides and we rest in the liminal space. And I said before we started recording, this was my personal favorite section. I wanted to just crawl inside this section and live here. And <laughs> one of the things I loved, like I'll literally, I will never forget this. And this will definitely show up in a meditation at some point in the future. So thank you, Octavia. Um, talk to us about imaginal cells. Oh, imaginal cells. <laughs> So we all love the beautiful butterfly. Yes. And I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a scientist. Okay. <laughs> I'm a poet. right? And so we love the beautiful butterfly. Some of us like caterpillars, you know, but between the caterpillar and the butterfly, they go into what, I mean, as a child, I was so fascinated by this idea of what a cocoon is. And they go into this cocoon in a, a caterpillar pillar literally disintegrates into what, if we split it open, would look like goop. And yet that goop is what becomes the butterfly. But what I learned in my, you know, liminal studies, as I was thinking about this middle section of the book or this space in between endings and beginnings as well, is that for the caterpillar going into the cocoon and becoming goop, they have what 
scientists call imaginal cells. And I learned that imaginal cells are not yet assigned to anything. They can become everything, right? Like that. So on this one level, it's like, what the heck is that actually? Uncertainty is what is this? And because of that, I, it has no actual assignment. It there's so much possibility for what it can become. An imaginal cell could become that stripe on that wing. It could become that eye. It could become the wing itself. You know, um, it's not yet assigned. And so for me, the liminal space is that it's the imaginal space of our being as well. That place where we cannot return to what is no longer. And it also creates a sense of like, who am I? What am I? I'm disintegrating. I am goop. I am unrecognizable to myself and perhaps the people around me. And yet nothing is assigned. <laughs> There's this possibility. What am I to become? Who am I becoming? Right. And so the liminal is also the imaginal space. And I also, again, because none of this is linear, I think collectively this is where we are as well. What is this moment we're living through? Does your life look like goop? (laughs) You know, does your your life (laughs) two years into a global pandemic look unrecognizable to what it was two years ago? If someone had told you, hey, this is what your life will look like. This will be the shape of your day. This will be what you're doing. (laughs) you would have been like, no, probably. Right. And so we, we also are the, we're the imaginal self, but what are we becoming? Everything and nothing. Right. So that's, I hope that answered your like, tell us about the imaginal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and also the liminal is a threshold, right? I don't always think about it as the actual door, right? It's like here, we're at this threshold this place of we can choose. Will I, will I stand at the threshold indefinitely? Will I run through the threshold and act like there's nothing in between? There's no pause. Just keep running. Right. Um, or will I experience what is here at the threshold, gather what I need to gather here at this threshold and then step across it with intention and a sense of presence, awareness, and of course, courage, and then move forward into whatever is there, what beginning is there. In this section, you make a a bit of a shift in the first and the last session. There are some longer essays. And in this liminal section, there are nuggets, like these beautifully crafted sentences or sentence that uh, to me almost act as a Cohen, like uh, something you read and you know, without knowing if that makes sense at all. What, what was that choice? Uh, so I want to just share if it's okay, like page Please. 57, the opening to that, because the opening to that section tells you why I made that choice. And So here's what it says. It's page 57. The liminal is a spacious place and defined by its lack of definition. Insights and answers that come from the space in between often surrender us to more questions, questions that deserve answers, questions that feel urgent, though the answering of them cannot be rushed or forced. And 
essentially what I wanted to do, and I actually thought that I, my explanation was on that page, but it wasn't. But I'm glad I read that little piece. <laughs> like, let's just, I was like, where is the explanation? <laughs> and maybe it's not in the book, but because the liminal is a departure from known structure <laughs> from what we can try to make sense of from just kind of like our intelligence, our head-based intelligence. <clears throat> the liminal space requires courage and heart. It requires us to start to call online some of these things that we've been taught to mistrust or to repress, all of that. You know, so part of it is that the liminal, the space in between doesn't look like anything you've ever seen or known. And so I wanted that departure into that kind of space that is spacious. And what I mean by spacious is just kind of open, which can, we know can be very daunting. Um, I wanted the physical representation to be like that. I wanted the the language representation to feel like that. And I will say as a creative person and a writer that I had my ideas about how this would go, this book would go and what it would be. And once I moved out of endings and I had that section complete or what I thought was complete, this literally is just the book told me, write me this way. The liminal, the liminal said, this is how this will be done, right? You know, and, and again, I just say, you know, again, because I'm writing about courage and, I, and I, I, I was like, oh my God, this is such a departure from the structure of the book. But I heard the creation telling me how it was to be written. And so I just followed that, which is also very much how the liminal is, right? I kind of felt like I was walking through a dark cave, you know, guided really only by the light of my own kind of curiosity and going, okay, I'll write that down. Okay. I'll write that down. Okay. That's what needs to be shared and said. And then just deciding that I trusted that. Um, so that's part of that departure. And I really feel like it, it feels like what the liminal is. It really does. And I'm so, so happy that you just shared your own experience of following what you hear in the liminal, you know, because what you do so well as a storyteller is to take these experiences from your life and show how they relate to these broader teachings that could be so easily offered as a platitude, but there's no real meat to it. There's no lived experience to compare it to. And then you just walked us through the actual lived experience of what <laughs> you're, I mean, it's like such a beautiful example. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. 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 And also with that liminal section of the book, I love that you used the word nugget. Cause I'm always like, well, what do you call these little spaces and they are, it's written to, and it really wrote itself, right? But it's written to be a standalone nugget or an entire necklace, right? Like it can all be strung together and be followed. And you might've saw that, you know, you have a copy of the book. So you might've saw that, that you could read one thing and just kind of take it and hold it and turn it this way or just lay down with it. Or you could read through the whole section at once and go, there's the whole journey of going through the liminal 
within a single nugget or the whole thing strung together. Yes. I don't know if you know this about me, but I, um, I'm an incredibly impatient reader. Like I, I want to know the ending the minute I start. Mm. And so when I read a book, I read very fast all the way to the end as quickly as humanly possible. <laughs> and then I go back and I reread it and I actually sit down and like savor the words and savor the experience. It's a weird way to read a book, but for whatever reason, that is the way I tend to <laughs> devour books. And so it's funny because I, the first time I, you know, I like did a very quick read through and I read all of those little nuggets in a row. And then the second time as I was going through the piece I caught that I missed in my speed read the first time was the offering. I think that I, if I remember correctly, you say when you come out of sideline pose, you could pick up the book, open it to a page and be with whatever bibliomancy, you know, it's a divination, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we just mm-hmm. divine which nugget we need in the moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I do love that. So from liminal, we roll into beginnings. (laughs) We literally roll. (laughs) We literally roll into child's pose, into the beginning. And the thing that jumped out at me first and foremost was you don't, you don't jump up and throw your arms in the air and go, hallelujah, I made it to the beginning. It's beautiful and awesome. And here's the sunshine. But you ask us to stay on the ground. And you, I think you really call forth not just the beauty, yes, the beauty, but also the I don't know if pain is the right word, but the difficulty of beginning, I'll say. How about that? Yeah. So we come into child's pose, balasana. We're kneeling. (laughs) We begin by kneeling. Um, At least in this book we do. And also I'm like, we begin by kneeling as a way to honor that we emerged from the liminal, as a way to remember that the ending did not end us, right? Uh, You know, I come from a line of women who kneel down to pray still, which I think I don't always do it, but like I've taken it up as a practice. Now I'm like kneel and pray, you know? And so for me, this, you know, when I thought about teaching, because I could have chosen another pose for beginnings, you know, even though now I can't think of what would be, (laughs) but, but it was also part of the choosing of child's pose was the, the, the kneeling and the humility and the close to the earthness and the seed likeness of child's pose and the awareness that, you know, you and I are both mothers, right? And I've been really close to other birthing processes beyond the birth of people, right? The birth of businesses, right? Uh, the, the rebirthing of our own selves. And I'm like, that is beautiful, (laughs) energizing, 
and scary, and you have to go, you feel yourself, you like touch your body. And on some level, you're like, yeah, this is my body and it's new, <laughs> you know, like you have to, the beginnings have to be gotten used to. And I also think that they are uncomfortable too, you know, um, there's something new here. Uh, even when we're like, I longed for this child, or I longed for this marriage, or I longed for this business, or I longed for this book to be in the world, there's still <laughs> like, um, there is a, it, you, there's feelings to be felt, and and I think sometimes it is glory, hallelujah, we made it, <laughs> here we are, um, but uh, but I also am really aware of how a lot of times. I'm thinking about the moment I laid eyes on my son. I knew it was this brand new beginning for him. And I remember taking my eyes off him for a second and been like, this is a new, I'm I'm forever changed. Like I'm at, I'm beginning again. (laughs) Like I'm something new here too. And then immediately be like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? But it's too late now. The baby's out here. (laughs) You know, like that's the thing. You can't push the baby back in. The metaphorical one or the real one. And, um, and so I wanted to start with kneeling to honor all of that, because sometimes you face a beginning triumphantly with your hands raised, you made it. And I also wanted to honor that the moment we're living through, whatever is beginning, we might likely be on our knees when we get to it. You know, like that was this feeling I had and in like, and not in like, we might have crawled to it. Like, I think, you know, many of us are living through my world, like I'm just I don't step through the days. I crawl through them, right? You know, the best I can. And I actually think it takes courage to keep going in that fashion. And also just beginnings humble us, don't they? Like, yeah, I'm thinking about when we started the studio, we said, whoever, what I thought I knew, I don't know it anymore, right? Like, you know, just the, um, and I actually think something's beautiful about that. Of course, of course. It was, you know, when I read that section of the book, I was like, oh, I am right back there. Oh. <laughs> I know you can, you can feel it. I, you can, you can. So um, in the last page of the book, it says, welcome home. Mm. Yeah. You know, this is maybe silly and unrelated, but I'll share it because Today, I just stumbled across somebody's tweet about something and whoever this person was wrote that scientists think that one of the reasons birds sing in the morning is to let their mate know that they made it through the night. It's their way of saying, I'm here. I made it. Yes. And when I read that, silly little meme on Instagram or wherever it was, I just could have weeped for the beauty and the depth of that simple statement. And as you just said, welcome home. It's that same feeling of I'm here. I made it. Yeah. Yes. We're here. We made it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You and each of these sections, endings, liminal space, and beginnings with a prayer. Will you read one for us? Mm, I will. (laughs) 
so deep in my heart, I kind of wanted to write a book of prayers. <laughs> oh, I hope and you I do that next. And I think maybe someday I will. Yes. But this was my way to like touch into that and to also honor that. And this is really about beyond an individual faith, right? Though I have my own faith, you know, my own spirituality and religion. What I was hoping to share and offer in this is a prayer to put that people, no matter who they call their divine, could could call out to their divine through this prayer. And so what wants to be read for this podcast is a prayer for liminal space. Goddess of the space in between. We thank you for being the wild and beautiful ocean that you are, one that dwells between the shore of what was and what will be, one that connects us all to the place of our ancestors and the source of our future. We thank you that your waves are unceasing in their devotion to moving us toward liberation. We enter into your blue-bellied womb before every beginning and after every ending. Let us not become trapped or caught up in the mystery and fear surrounding us. You who are not black or white, day or night, good or bad, when you come and swallow us in your luminous darkness, may we have the good sense to simply lay down, float for a while, and dream. Let us dream of something new and ancient. Let us dream of nothing and everything in altering time. Let us dream of composting old things and planting seeds that will grow for generations to come. Let us dream of boundlessness even when we feel stuck and small. Let us dream of another world. And after all of that, baptize us in possibility and allow the breath of your water to call us awake. With eyes wide open, we reach shore. We begin. I could not love that more. May we have the good sense to lie down, float for a while, and dream. Ugh. Words I'd like to tattoo on myself. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Octavia, thank you so much for talking to me about your incredible new book. And so for folks that are interested, you can find Pause, Rest, Be at your local bookstore, yes? At your local bookstore, anywhere you buy books, you can find it. And I will have links in the show notes to Octavia's website as well as the book. Octavia, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Mindful Minute. If you're enjoying these episodes, please consider leaving me a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps others to find this show. To learn more about my live classes, virtual meditation retreats, my meditation app Shoreline, or to make a donation to the show, please visit MerylArnett.com. Thanks again. I'll see you next week.